Continuing her series of interviews with CEOs and senior executives of the luxury travel sector, Kirsty Bedford speaks today with Fiona Dalton, General Manager of Luxury Travel Advisors Virtuoso Australia and New Zealand. Fiona tells Kirsty about the rapid rebound of luxury travel and their changing preferences from luxury super yachts to small expedition ships. The luxury traveller is also choosing to travel internationally in low season to get away from the bustling crowds found in Europe last summer. Fiona Dalton has more than three decades' experience in travel. She was CEO for the Travel Corporation Australia, Managing Director for Uniworld Boutique River Cruises in Australia, and General Manager Sales for Qantas Holidays. Fiona is now General Manager of Virtuoso Travel, the world's leading community of luxury travel advisors and experiences, with more than 20,000 advisors. It partners with more than 2,000 hotels, cruise lines, and tour operators to create bespoke experiences and is a leader and luxury research. Welcome to the show, Fiona. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. First of all, let's just um, talk a little bit about you personally and how you came to be in the travel industry. Yeah, sure, Kirsty. Well, look, I've had um, many years now in the industry. I actually um, transitioned across from a career in investment banking back in the 1990s. I'd had sort of seven or eight years in investment banking, which is an industry that I just fell into after school. And while it was wonderful and I loved it, I wasn't passionate about it. And then I had this period of time where I was actually working in London for NM Rothschild and Sons um, in uh, commodities trading. And I was thinking about coming back to Australia and I had the great fortune to have nine months in Africa, travelling through Africa on my way home. And of course, as you can imagine, an experience like that is quite life-changing. And when I came back to Australia, it was very, very hard in my sort of mid-20s to settle down and, and go back to investment banking, having really found my calling and recognising just how much travel went to, meant for me. And so at that point, I had to make some very big decisions and I moved out of trading and and did a wild and crazy thing and actually signed up as a travel advisor at Flight Centre, which was a very new brand in Australia at that time. But I knew that if I could go and get some training and some good functional skills in travel, I'd be able to then progress my career and perhaps even possibly one day do something wild and crazy like work for Qantas, which was always a dream of mine at the time. So that's really what happened. I, I did 12 months working for Bill James at Flight Centre, learnt fares and ticketing, learnt the craft, and then was able to move into Qantas in one of their wholesale areas at Qantas Holidays and had a great career there for many years under John Borghetti, who was, of course, very senior in the airline in those days. And then from there, I moved into hotels and into other parts of the industry. And I've been able to work across corporate, across leisure. And more recently, I've had this wonderful focus in luxury travel, um, specifically in the leisure space through my time with Uniworld and then Travel Corporation and now, of course, at Virtuoso. So that's I guess a bit of a snapshot, Kirsty. And look, I've been uh, in this game now for close on 30 years and I couldn't be more blessed and more grateful for the incredible career I've had in travel over over that time. Absolutely. What a transition. And obviously that was a great grounding uh, (laughs) to get into what what you've done. And you've clearly obviously worked incredibly hard to achieve what you have. So let's just launch straight into some some of the new research that that, uh, Virtuoso has released recently has showed that London 
has been bumped as the new favourite for luxury travellers. So tell us a bit more about some of the regions that are becoming more popular and also why you think these new regions are becoming more popular. A lot of them actually aren't all that surprising. Yeah, look, I think, you know, there's always been a bit of a race, hasn't there, between some of those destinations in Europe and certainly Paris and London, two of the keen favourites. I think both of those cities went through quite a bit of a transformation during COVID. They took the time to really think about what they wanted from the tourism dollar post the post the pandemic and have created new experiences in those cities and they've also got a lot of investment coming back into their hotel product in those locations. So it's not surprising to me um, just how incredibly popular they are because every visit offers something new and I think that's what really appeals to an affluent traveller, Kirsty. You can just keep going back and back. But it's not just where our affluent or high-value travellers go, it's how they go and when they go that's also really evolved since COVID as well. And I I will say Italy is the other hot destination in Europe, if I may, that Australian travellers, high-value travellers really love. And when I think about when they go, the thing that's really become apparent is that this isn't a high-season experience anymore. A lot of our um, affluent travellers are really saying, actually, we're happy to travel in off-peak season or low season or what they call now slow season because we've had such labour shortages around the world that a lot of what's driving the decision-making around when to travel is that uh, the experience in the lower seasons can be equally as well uh, equally as appreciated as the high seasons because there's just less people around and that certainly suits those sorts of destinations that have had some pretty challenging labor shortages since we've come back from um, this thing called COVID. Yeah and that certainly makes sense because obviously the level of service that they would require uh, you know, given if there are those those shortages, then they're going to get a lot a lot more attention. It'll be a lot more of an t- attentive travel trip if there are less less people t- around. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, of course, is that um, because there are so many people traveling, I'm not sure that you're aware, but you know, the the average daily rate for hotels has increased so significantly since pre COVID as well, Kirsty. So Australians are paying now 44% more for luxury hotels in Australia and in the region than they were since 2019, and 32% more for international destinations, just as an example. And of course, what that means is, so too does their expectation around their experience increase. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you can find this point on the matrix where there are less travellers in those locations, and and, uh, particularly last summer was very challenging in Europe, then certainly if you are paying a premium for for the experience, then matching that with the um, anticipatory service that our our luxury travellers expect is really important. Mm, Absolutely. And so cruise was also on the rise too. Why do you think that is? It seems to always get a bad rap in many instances in the media, but there's certainly a sort of cult following with a, with the cruise industry as such. And and is that is that now broadening? Are there, are there different sorts of um, and a new market coming in or is it just that consistency of those that sort of really strong cruise followers who are who are now coming back on board post COVID? Well it is interesting. What you say is true. The cruise industry is all lumped in together. But um, nothing could be further from the truth. In Virtuoso, it's probably worth sharing with you that we don't work with the mass market cruise partners. Um, Our 
beautiful travel advisors are working with a very different clientele who are looking for an ultra luxe cruise experience, certainly a luxury. And that can come in a couple of different shapes or forms. There's a lot of yachting that happens in luxury right now. There, of course, is some small ship ocean going experiences with partners like Seabourn and Regent and Silver Sea that are very popular in the luxury market because there are only really five or 600 people maximum. Uh, Kirsty, and then of course, on top of that, you've got river cruising, which has had a, an incredible renaissance post COVID because it's just on average around 60 staterooms and gets you right into the heart of the beautiful towns and cities in which they travel, you know, to dock right in, in, in the center of those locations. And then of course, the other one, which has really come to the forefront in the last 12 or 18 months for us is expedition cruising. And again, these are quite small ships, generally around 120 people up to around 500 people maximum. I'd say on average around 200 people. And we've seen a stratospheric rise in interest in expedition cruising in the last really 15 months since border reopening such that we're now trading at around 220% more expedition cruises than, you know, what I'm going to call the high water mark, which was 2019. Uh, And Oh, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, and 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 where are those two? Are they are they typically mm-hmm. Arctic and Antarctica, or or pretty much everywhere? Well, not at all. Um, certainly, the polar regions probably are the poster ch- children for uh, expedition cruising. But there is an enormous amount of interest in places like the Galapagos, in Iceland, in Greenland. But actually, this year, one of the biggest regions for Australians and, Australians and expedition cruising is the Kimberley, where we've got something like uh, five or six new ships in the luxury space heading up to the Kimberley for this season that's about to start next month, Kirsty. And one of those ships, just to give you an example, is a beautiful sailing ship from Penant called Le Penant, so a, a tall mastered ship with just 16 staterooms and about 32 guests, which is having its inaugural and only season in the Kimberley for the next three or four months, whereby the captain will choose every day the right location for shore landings based on whatever the weather conditions are. And of course, being just 32 guests, we'll be able to get go further go deeper and and uh, go right into those parts of the Kimberley that perhaps haven't been transversed by us before. Yeah, and you can certainly see why people go there when you've got things like the horizontal falls, which are only accessible by those boats exactly. or, or um, you know, flying overhead. So and um, true remarkable places to experience in there and the remoteness of it obviously is something that is um, yeah certainly is something I think so and I think it's I think it's also a really great silver lining um, post-pandemic that we still have so much interest in our own backyard and certainly from the luxury traveler's point of view there's a real renaissance in near not far destinations as well. Yeah, and that's that's really great to hear. Um, and I guess the the uh, cost of flying um, has has some impact on that, although maybe not so much for luxury travellers. But but certainly, you know, everyone still wants to ensure that they're spending in market rather than on the on the flight to get there. Yeah, that's right. Although Broome, I think, is more expensive than London some days. There's a you know from a from a cost point of view, it's such a remote um, outback destination for the airlines, mm. which makes me chuckle. 
Um, all right. Well, let, let's just touch on this issue of of sustainability and and obviously fitting with with what we're just talking about. But are we seeing evidence of of people actually caring about treading lightly, or is, do you think it's more just sort of a CSR KPI by some travel operators? I know, you know, we're increasingly hearing of of particularly luxury travellers who actually really do want to tread lightly. Is that something that we're we're actually seeing evidence of? Well, I think it's a really interesting question and it's one we've been asking ourselves for some time in Virtuoso. And I can categorically tell you that in the surveys that we've been conducting, we did a great consumer survey with YouGov around about nine months ago, actually. It was a global survey. We had a a significant number of luxury travellers respond to that right around the world. And what they told us was that 74% of them were willing to pay more to travel sustainably if they knew where their money's going. So what they're really saying is, you know, they're, they're wanting to work with their advisor to really better understand um, who the partners will be and how they're going to make a difference. And they're also telling us something we've known to be true for some time is that it's more than just protecting the environment. What sustainability is really all about is also investing back into local economies and it's also about really preserving the culture of those economies as well or the the culture of those destinations. And that's a really big significant motivator for people. So I'm a great believer that that this idea of sustainability really translates into more of a conscious or purposeful traveller. And I think what we're seeing is that that's moved from being an afterthought to becoming a forethought as part of the conversations. It's something that we care really deeply about at Virtuoso. And I think it's increasingly going to impact the conversion decision for a lot of people. And I will say this, there's a lot of discussion on, you know, greenwashing and all those sorts of terms. But I just truly believe that if everybody could do a little bit more, the world would be a better place. And that certainly makes it a better place to travel. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Look, thank you so much for this, that Fiona. It's fantastic to talk to you. And and I guess we can finish on the fact that, you know, the research has also shown that travellers are prioritising travel. So mm. it's something that they're increasingly wanting to, to do now that we've come out, sort of coming out the other side of the pandemic. And I guess a lot of that is in, in regards to not being able to travel for so long. But maybe also just... Um, a shift in mindset in regards to realising how the world can change so so drastically. Yes, you're right. To quote an industry colleague this week, the, the world's moved from health concerns to wealth concerns, Kirsty, and actually what we're seeing is a divergence of those wealth concerns in relation to the travel conversion. And, uh, you know, we've never seen more demand at a time when there are global economic and geopolitical headwinds blowing. And so what that's telling us is that the wealth that can come from experiences of travel has moved up the consideration set for how people invest their money moving forward. And certainly we are quite sure that this year is going to be one of the biggest years for travel that we've ever seen. And certainly it's shaping up to be that way, despite those global challenges that are currently in place. Look, thank you so much for your time, Fiona. Yes, you're very welcome. Kirsty Bedford was speaking with Fiona Dalton, General Manager of Luxury Travel Advisors, Virtuoso Australia and New Zealand. This is the Travel Rider Show.